You only get into, out of the game where you put into it, Shelley. Mm-hmm. And I put everything into it I could and still do for the people and for the people that I was playing for and the people that I was manager for. I didn't cheat them out of anything. So I put all my heart and soul to the extent that my family suffered. Do you yeah. regret that at all? Oh, yeah, I regret, oh, I regret it very much, yeah. Somebody said the football's a matter of life and death to you. I said, listen, it's more important than that. You are listening to Man Marking, the podcast that uses football as a vehicle to encourage men to become more comfortable talking about their mental health. Welcome to the Friday Football Show. My name is Dan Reed. Today is Friday the 29th of October. You may have noticed that we sound a little bit different today, a little bit different than usual. After 18 months of excellent movements, dropping the shoulder in and out of virus particles, I have been struck down by COVID and we are thus recording remotely today but do not worry listener i am fine as the uh the the mentioned the known are just lad in birkenhead i'm taking on the virus head on uh you're not beating your head <laughs> how are we boys are we okay um i'm deaf in one ear mate but apart from that i'm fine thank you Go what'd on. you say right <laughs> you're such a dad is unreal you know what Oh, come on. Like, you could have, like, a litter of children with with some of your behaviour. Oh, my jokes are great. They are, mate. They are. How are we? Are we okay? Yeah, I'm all right. I, um, I did something nice for one of my friends the other day. I bought an elephant. I said, he said, thanks. I said, oh, don't mention it. <laughs> not sure I get But anyway, yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, I'm good. It's been a good week of football, hasn't I don't it? Think very I, enjoyable. I don't think I get that. I don't. I bought... <sighs> Go on. I bought an elephant from your mate. He said, thanks. I said, don't mention it. Yeah, no, I heard it. I just yeah, didn't yeah, get it. Don't mention the elephant in the room. Doesn't matter, lads. It's fine. Uh, Let's move on. You both oh, got it. You were, both it, got it. I can there was tell no, you could have, on here. You could have been in the garden. There was no confirmation uh, you were in a room. Yeah. Needs yeah. context. Poor how that. Do we, how do we leave this Zoom meeting? Four out of ten. Yeah. Four out of ten. Uh, okay, yeah, then, lads. Let, let's, uh, let's move on from that because that was dreadful. Um, we're losing listeners by the minute. Uh, but the listeners, they know the score. You know the score. What I want from you, first of all, boys, is one thing you've enjoyed from the last week of football and one thing you haven't enjoyed. Ryan, I'm going to come to you first. I'm presuming one of the things that you didn't enjoy was losing volume in one ear. So, yeah, I didn't enjoy that. That that obviously wasn't in football. That was in oh, yeah. the back. Um <laughs> <laughs> So I'm I'm a um, I'm a shower guy. Rach is a bath woman, and I thought I'd get to treat myself to a bath, bath after woman. football. Didn't realise a bit of an oversight from us when we when we fitted the bath. We haven't got one of them nice, helpful things you wash your hair on. Do you know what I mean? The a loofah. Is that what it's called? It's or like do you mean a shower a shower head? Like handheld shower thing, yeah. Yeah, shower so head. There I am, sat in the bath, having a nice relaxed bath, head full of shampoo. Thought. I don't really want to get up now and get in the shower. So what's this? Dunk it under. I dunked my head. That's what I did. I dunked. All right. And 
and I've, ever since then, I came back up and I've, I've just got some sort of trapped water in my left ear. Painful. <laughs> I've, got this, I've got this image of you like one evening tipping your head over and just loads of water <laughs> pouring Maybe. out like some kind that of <laughs> Roman water feature. <laughs> but, but because of that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't like playing by the rules, which probably bothers you because you're a man who sticks to the plan. I'm gonna go for two positives this week. My first positive is we went to, we went to watch Tramia's Ladies, and it was a very enjoyable it experience. It was myself, you, and Paul Allen, friend of the show, went to watch Mark Joyce's um, Tramia Ladies team. Unfortunately, they were knocked out on penalties. I was gonna say um, you didn't bring them much luck, did you? No, it was very harsh. They, they, I think they hit the bar three times, including a 30-yard free kick, last kick of the game. So it was a bit heartbreaking for them. But, you know, what? it was a really enjoyable game. Nice little atmosphere there. I um, thought the game flowed really well. And it was, it, was, it was good. Yeah, I enjoyed that. The other thing I enjoyed was a slotted two past our very own Andy Olsen at Monday Football. <laughs> okay. England's number four in the pecking order between the sticks. Fighting it out with Sam Johnson, too hot to handle. Um, although I was denied a hat-trick by a worldy save from him as well. 30 seconds in, pinged one down, I'm wheeling away, thinking it's in. He's got his big, long sausage fingers to it, hasn't he? <laughs> it the bar. So, yeah, that was nice after he, um, his team beat us the week before. So. Redemption! I just want to clarify... The second goal was a deflection, so, you know, there wasn't much... Washington didn't take any deflection. Wait, it's okay, right? It's okay. Wicked cave on it. Wicked bend. It's okay. It I just I overhit me me touch that, so I had to get the shot off early. Caught him off guard. It's not like him. <laughs> um, so yeah, two things I enjoyed there. Slightly navel gazing, but enjoyable. Um, yeah. And are you going to follow the rules? Because otherwise, I'm going to stop doing a fucking running order, and you can just do whatever you want. I was just going to do another joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God's no, I'm only messing. Um, yeah, I mean, I had two things. One was a cricket thing. Ben Stokes is back in the England squad, so that's great. Yeah, I think you're mixing this up with a cricket podcast, one, mate. One one is uh, Josh King um, getting that hat-trick and Ooh. going from not celebrating to taking his top off and having an absolutely bloody great time. Yeah. It it it, it oh. disintegrated that game. It was like um, super hands of stag do, wasn't it? Oh, Degenerated very so quickly. Good. Mm. Fifty odd goals he's got in the Premier League. I don't know. I can't remember any any others. But yeah, like certainly not Just on net carbon neutral, apparently the fume from the Everton fans could power three thousand homes. I hear. <laughs> 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 That's very good from you. That right, better than Ant's joke before, anyway. Oh, well, um, there's plenty of time left. And what did you not enjoy? What did you not enjoy, Anthony? Uh, I didn't like uh, Norwich's performance, specifically Daniel Farker at probably four nil. Yeah, yeah. This isn't an audio feature, but he stood there with his arms out as if to say, "Oh yeah, I know lads, you're all getting it wrong. It's nothing to do with me." No, like, do you know how easy and how bad it was? It was so easy for the match of the day pundits. And I think it was Jermaine Genius and Martin Keown. Well, they just, needed to be then, didn't they? To just pick it apart and go, yeah, none of them ran. None of them got anywhere near anyone. And then the red cards, you're thinking, all right, it looks like they've shown some fight. It wasn't. Gibson just made an absolute hash of it twice. Like, there wasn't even any, like, passion, commitment, didn't kick anyone, didn't do anything. Didn't get near the ball. Uh, just 
disgusting yeah. and they're boring and they need to yeah. go down. Yeah, it was totally, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah you know, we'll, we'll totally have a look back at the footage with mm. the lads and, and hopefully if we'll come back next week and we'll be much improved. Yeah, you know, I, I'm happy to take some feedback from you and that's that's totally great. I thought, uh, I thought Ryan was the one who was deaf. That was Daniel Farker. Was Daniel Farker. Um, yeah, Norwich are terrible. It's all right. Ryan said they're staying up this season. So, you know, we can all rest easy in our beds. They're staying up. Um, I'd buy it all, to be honest with you. My, um, my two things from this week, the thing I didn't like, uh, and I was I was sort of partially tempted to go on a little bit of another rant here, but I'm not going to do it. I'll just leave you with the, with the details of the story and then I'll, I'll move on. Um, David Beckham is going to be the face of the Qatar World Cup. So that's good. $175 million he was paid for that. That's good. That's good job if you can get it. Also the face yeah. of UNICEF. So, you know, no Look, contradictions going on there. Both sides in as much as you want. Come on. Anyway, you can all draw your own conclusions on that. Uh, and then... The thing that I liked is also something I, I don't like, which is off, often the way with me. Um, Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds were at Maidenhead in the week, which is not somewhere I, you know, I think that they ever thought that they would be uh, watching Wrexham lose 3-2, which I think leaves them 14th in the league or something like that. Um, and then the day after they, they took a trip up to the race course ground. Um, it's, I'm very conflicted on all this. Because, you know, as regular listeners to the show will know, we are all Tramia fans, and I think Wrexham are probably the closest thing we've got to a a bit of local beef um, or local lamb, potentially, because it's Wrexham. Hey. Easy now. Easy now. Hey. Easy. See what I did there? <laughs> um, but I really like Ryan Reynolds, and I'm an, an enormous uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia fan, so, uh, you know, I love Rob McElhenney. Um so I, I'm happy to see them about and enjoying themselves, but just don't like seeing them there. You know what I mean? It's like when, like, like if you see, like, imagine like your ex got with one of your best mates or something, be like that. But wouldn't they? Wouldn't they have needed to be interested in Tramia for that? Maybe they were. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have all the details. I'm not a details man here, and I feel like we should have uh, established that by now. But yeah, I'm finding it hard to look at, but. I, I, I can't help but like it, but I really don't want to like it. Do you know what I mean? It's quite entertaining, to be honest. Yeah. No, I mean, only because they're doing badly. Yeah, we'll see. That's the bit that I'm sort of enjoying, but equally, Same I don't want... team, not them. But yeah. I don't want them to, to be sad, but then equally, it's like, well, you did buy Wrexham, so you are, if you are going to make stupid decisions, you, you know say what I mean? You, you say you don't want them to be sad. Yeah, don't want them to be sad. <laughs> Because, you know, Aww. they are creative souls who bring great joy to our screens. And, you know, I, for one, want that trend to continue. And one can't be creative in, mm. in an expressively humorous manner. You know, if you're being beaten by Maidenhead, not funny about that. Well, there is for us, probably not for them. Um, yeah. Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds brought some joy to me today. I was watching a free guy. Oh yeah! Is that the old black pyramid for the two guys? <laughs> oh, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are an absolute tit. <laughs> just, uh, just in case anyone's wondering why Danny's given that reaction, we uh, we heard him do that joke before anyone to the team. I must have been locked on. No? And <laughs> I del- delivered it a lot better as well. A lot better. <laughs> 
I'm not sure. I think that's I, I think that's Ryan's hat trick. To be honest, that's Ryan. You can have the hat trick, mate. There was, there was no deflection on that goal. I'm gonna come and cough for your letterboxes. Absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> oh god, I'm actually coughing now. Um, Ryan, talk to us about Project Red Card. Yeah. So Project Red Card. This is hundreds of impo- hundreds of players who are looking at potential action over their data being used. Um, I think there's more than 850 current former Premier League, EFL, National League, Scottish Premier League players. It's actually randomly being headed up by Russell Slade. Yeah, that was the. Uh, I was like, "What's he doing there?" I know. I've got. I've got no idea. And just in time for Christmas. Well done. Yeah, they doubt you, and then you come steaming back in. He's just there to. He's just there to rustle a few feathers. Continue, Ryan. Mm, yeah, I think I should. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, it's it's a strange one, really. So often data is used in football by the parent clubs of the players, which doesn't seem to be so much of an issue, um, simply because they're using it for kind of their own benefit and they're obviously contracted to that club. And sometimes usage of data may be included in their contract, but then there's other bodies that use the data, whether it be um, people who are private private companies in their own right that report on data. It could be um, gaming and betting companies as well. And essentially, these players are saying, well, you're taking something that belongs to us without our consent and potentially monetizing it. Um, we've had this discussion on here before. I think data is a currency in its own right now. Um, people are after data. They want it to be used for their own benefits. And it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. It almost feels like it's the new image rights. Obviously, mm-hmm. in the 90s, that became a massive topic over image rights. And now players have ridiculous contracts, whether it be with games like FIFA or Football Manager or even just sort of how they use image rights sort of in the press and in the media. I know Neymar has some ridiculous clauses in his. And this seems like one of those situations. I was going to I was going to say right the, the thing I was reading about it was was that that's how these companies have gotten around obtaining the data and utilizing it for monetary value because there isn't anything currently in players contracts about data rights and that that was the comparison that they made us with image rights that the, the clubs have currently got things in place for image rights but not for for data rights well can I just ask what what sort of like what sort of I'm a bit of a I'm a bit stupid. What what is what sort of data is it like? I don't understand. Is it, it's not like what contracts they've signed at like car phone warehouse and stuff, is it? What is it? No, funnily enough, it's probably broken down into two lots. So there's the performance data. So getting hold of kind of how the player is performing, maybe distances to cover and those type of things. And then there's the other data sort of I read this was quite weird around sort of players' weight, players' height. Ethnicity. And Ethnicity, they were saying that if that's reported on wrong and maybe a club or a scouting company is using that to sign a player, if that might actually go against them getting a new contract, the better contract clubs looking at them and potentially that they haven't almost authorised that data to be on there and them to be sold, shall we say. They they are essentially the commodity, aren't they? Um, I think um, think their objection... From what I understand, there because as you said before we started recording, Max, you were doing a bit of bit, bit, bit more reading on it. It is quite, it, it's sort of quite complex. Um, but I think their objection to it is the loss of control of the data, as yeah. opposed to what the data is being used for. I don't think they actually mind 
the application of the data. It's just that they've got no control over it. Um, and that the, the, there was a there's a there's an article on a on a solicitor's website that I was reading, which kind of breaks it down into into segments. And it is it's 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 not hundred percent clear at this point which way it'll go in terms of whether they are they do have a viable claim for a significant sum or whether it'll just be kind of you know it, it they you know they'll win but they won't get paid out an enormous amount because there's not been actually any residual damage from that data being sold um but yeah you are right Ryan. it's it's weird isn't it because you think yeah it it, it, it it makes sense doesn't it because that data is incredibly valuable i mean football data is like a billion dollar industry isn't it so it, it's 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 huge it's funny as well because depending on the data, it's categorized differently. So some will come under GDPR, any sort of medical, genetic, biometric, racial data is a special category data. Russell Slade actually said that there was a player on one of the skeleton systems who was a centre back who was incorrectly listed as being five foot seven. And was basically saying that being such a wide inaccuracy could affect that player's ability to get a contract. Zoom, so- that wasn't um, that wasn't one of me or you then, was it? We'd be listening to six no, foot. Big fellas. Big but tall guys. again, as you say, it's going to be impossible to put an exact figure on it. But there'll be a lot of people out there just trying the hand as well. A bit like mm. PPI. You know, maybe you missold it, but you go, oh, I can just pretend I could have potentially. You've been missold, Danny Higginbottom. <laughs> <laughs> can I just can I just say, you know, with the height thing, I mean, it'd be yeah. pretty obvious that he, he, he wasn't five foot seven. Well, the only the only objection I would make to that, Ant, is that you have failed to recognise me and Ryan as a couple of tall fellas, and that the evidence <laughs> is stacking up against you, quite literally. I think that's happening now in football, though, which is quite interesting. That. Rather than go, I've watched him, he's good. What clubs or scouts or these agencies that are brought in will go, we want someone who's can run at 18 miles an hour, who's between six foot one and six foot four. They'll find these sort of basically collate all these fields, mm. press search, and all of a sudden you've got a database of everyone who ticks. So they're basically like 23, they've played less than 200 games, so they're fresh. And that's kind of what people are almost recruiting, not with the eye, but with the data lines. Mm. Basically, playing football manager. Yeah, pretty much. That, yeah. That right, yeah. It makes yeah. it make, it does make sense, doesn't it? I was yeah. listening to um to something the other day. You know, um what's the fella who was playing for Fulham? Anguisa, Zambo, Frank yeah. Anguisa, or he's I can't yeah. remember what his full name is. Um when he he plays for someone in Spain, doesn't he, at the moment? Is it Spain it or Italy? No, I think it might be might be Italy. Or whatever he plays. It you got matter. confused on Spain and Italy last night, didn't you? Well, I didn't get confused. I just thought it said Valencia and it, it said, said Venezia. Yeah. It, I mean, <laughs> let's hope I don't do that in the airport because it could have disastrous consequences. Yeah, um, Napoli. Napoli, that's it. So when he arrived at Napoli, the manager didn't know who he was. He'd never heard of him. But the managers in Italy and in lots of European countries kind of take on this idea that, well, I just asked the club for this type of player because I need it for the system that I'm playing or we haven't got it in the squad. They give them to me and then I work with the tools that I'm given. And he said, I didn't know who he was. I'd never seen him play. I'd never heard of him, but saw him in training. And I thought, there's something I can work with here. And he's he's, he's doing really well. Napoli were pretty much, I think they had a 100% record until last weekend. It's uh, like, it's kind of like a bit of money ball, isn't it? Yeah, very similar, very similar. Yeah. And it do, I think, I think, Ryan, you're a, you're a, a big advocate of the data set. We love a spreadsheet in the old group chat. Um, and so it, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it, when you think about it? It's surely a much better way of 
choosing a player than driving up to Dagenham and Redbridge on a Tuesday night and watching them for we half an hour. Even, uh, we had we we haven't released an episode on it, but we did speak to the head of sports science at Tramier a while back, just in sort of general conversation. And he was saying about how they have live data on the players as the play. You can notice if there's a drop off in sprints. They use it in training, different things like that. So it is slowly becoming more meaningful than the eye. Um, I do think there's a balance to it. I don't think you can do everything by data. I do think you still need to assess things and apply context to things that maybe a computer can't pick up on. But mm. it's certainly not going to go anywhere either. No. Gone, are the, gone are the days of a gut feel about a player. I've got a good gut feel about him. He's going to make it. He's going to make it at the top level. Yeah, yeah. Gone are them days. They are, they are. And, and and gone are the days of Diego Maradona as well, tragically. Lost to this world last year, which was a, a heartbreaking moment, I think, for, for any a football fan. That was a terrible segue, wasn't it? Like, that, that was what I was going for, was a little kind of segue into the next story. And I'm just going to keep going and hope that nobody <laughs> noticed it. Uh, we're going to talk about the Diego Maradona tribute match. Um, another, another heartwarming story from football in... 2021 uh Diego Maradona the uh you know the legendary footballer arguably the greatest player to ever play the game you know one of the most inspirational or inspiring footballers you know someone who really kind of identified with people who love the kind of beauty of the game the magic and then you talk there Ryan about data sets and Ant talks about a gut feel you know Diego Maradona didn't exist in the age of data sets he existed in the age of you know, raw ability and and passion and, and, and you know, and getting on the field and, you know, in, in, in true sort of modern football way to honour him, honour his life, honour his career, you know, honour his, his death. They're going to be playing a tribute match, which I think is a, a nice thing. Um, Barcelona are going to take part. You know, we didn't didn't really have a great time at, at Barcelona, but, you know, it, it, it's Barcelona. Um, playing against Boca Juniors. Now, we did have a, you know, had four years of, Boca Juniors, not not where he made his name in Argentina, but you know, still Boca Juniors. Uh, and where are they playing this game? You ask, and you, you're wondering where are they playing this game. Are they, you know, are they playing it in Naples? You know, which is you know not the birth home of Diego Maradona, but but certainly where he certainly where he, he his heart is. You know, where he's adored. Are they playing it in Naples? You ask. No, they're playing it in Saudi Arabia. Yes. Well, maybe they couldn't get a pitch. I mean, it is it is the European season. Maybe they rang up and said, "Look, we've had trouble getting a booking online. Can we use your pitch?" I to be fair, to I would I would agree with you on ten that. Ten pound a go, lads. Ten pound a go. You know, I would agree with that if they were calling Will Borough Council because it's a fucking nightmare to get a pitch off them. Um, Ryan, you've got your hand up. Yeah, I just want to add a slightly different twist to this conversation because obviously oh, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, those type of places, places but not the best track record on human rights have come up a few times. Our listeners may be thinking another story of us bad mouthing them. But what I'll say, trying to be positive, is if you see we recognise Western culture as being relatively liberal, not breaking it down into certain individuals who aren't, kind of you've got your freedoms, etc., etc. Now maybe diluting that Western culture via football into these areas will have a benefit long-term impact and then hopefully have them to raise their standards elsewhere. I don't know. Obviously, it will take a long time, but that's, maybe... I think, I think that's the opposite of, 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 what, of what they're doing it for. 
It's the exact opposite. No, I'm not saying this is what they're doing it for, but I'm hoping that maybe a byproduct of them integrating more with the rest of the world because they're relatively cut off, it could potentially have long-term benefit. Yeah, this is something Gary Neville was talking about the other day on Monday Night Football. Uh, I know Danny's Danny's just bowed his head. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Fucking hate Gary Neville. Yeah, so he was talking about it and he was basically going on those same lines, you know, let's be inclusive, let's, let's do this and it'll do this but the problem is is I don't think anyone believes that's the case and it was a funny thing that Monday Night Football because Jamie Carragher basically um, just outed Gary Neville for not knowing what sports washing was so um, <laughs> that was quite yeah. funny but, often, often gets the better with Gary Neville and Gary Neville hates it but it keeps happening <laughs> the, um, it's quite other, entertaining the other thing as well is is that you know, for all of his 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 off field antics and issues and stuff, at, at heart, Diego Maradona was very much a, a kind of rampant socialist, wasn't he? That was very much his his kind of thing. You know, he had tattoos of of I think Fidel Castro and, and Che Guevara on his on his person, and I think that's that was a big part of of his image and also a big part of why people connected with him so much in 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 places like Naples you know in Italy the 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 power and the wealth is the other way around from what it is in this country it's it's much more based up north and Naples often feels like you know one of the big things I think with Diego Maradona was that he represented that that side of Naples you know standing up against the man you know being able to beat those big wealthy teams those big you know powerful institutions and I think just you know, the Barca thing is because Barcelona need money and they're a big draw. And the fact that it's in Saudi, it just feels... I mean, his, his, his daughters have, have said they're not going to go, aren't they? And, and I think quite a few other people have publicly snubbed it as well. I think it's just... I don't know, I feel like you're using somebody's memory to make some money um, whilst not actually honouring the essence of why that person was, was so adored when he was alive. Um, yeah. Which you, can't, is, which... you can't celebrate him without involving Napoli. It's almost no. makes no sense whatsoever. And as you said, Barcelona do anything for 50p at the moment. So. <laughs> They're building so it. It's a, a bit sticky in that regard. And it's not even going to be enjoyed and watched by the people who probably have fond memories or even have him as a, as a hero. Is it going to just be a load of corporates probably? So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's just bad. Um, bad. It's just soulless. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly what... You know, I think and you and I went to see the Maradona documentary together, didn't we? Um, Ryan, I'm sure you've you've watched it subsequently. Um, it's, it's been on quite a lot since since Maradona died. But it's it's it it just I think when you watch that film, you get a good understanding of what his life was like and what he was all about as a person and the reason why he was almost almost like a cult figure. It's it's some parts of his career as well. And I think when you you read stories like this, you just think, is there anything that modern football will not try and ruin? They will have a go at everything, all of it. Every single thing they'll have a pop at. Everything's in, let's play it all. And they'll be playing like FA Cup replays in the fourth qualifying round in Saudi Arabia soon if they can fucking sell it. They're just, they're just nothing is pure anymore. Nothing. Nothing. It's kind of like when you've got somebody who's really rich from a really rich family and they want to be interested in like film or, or the arts or something. So you just buy all the best stuff. But then when you've got an interest in it, it's just like <laughs> showing the hand. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And they're not really respected by the actual people who've crafted the art themselves. Yeah, it's, it's very uh, it's very Jay Gatsby in that regard. Yeah. Um yeah. speaking of uh speaking of mad shit and 
Another, mm. good, another good segue, that. I yeah. need to work on these segues, but, you know, we're, we're getting there. Um, the managerial merry-go-round, do you want to talk about that? Oh, you were also very excited to tell us that there was a merry-go-round emoji that you could use. There is, there is, and we're going to put it on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I've decided. Uh, yeah, it, it's in full swing. It's absolutely heating up. It's been, you know, rumbles about, you know, Ollie going to Solskjaer and this and that. And then the last couple of weeks, has been Steve Bruce has gone. Ollie's pretty much on, 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 the, on the plank. At the edge of it, just yeah, about. I, to, just I think about he might not be, off. you know. Just about to step off, Danny. He's done. It's just <laughs> someone holding him on a leash. If they let go, he's gone. This and, is Manchester and United. Then, and then Cooman went last night. There's there's a few more who've gone. Ranieri's back already, and it's not even November. And you just like, I mean, Big Sam's probably just waking up from his gravy slumber of the summer, but rubbing uh, his hands together, any just waiting. He's just gonna love it, isn't he? He's gonna get so much money for going to some average team and not not keep them up. And yeah, it's 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 bizarre. I mean, I don't really want to go into the whole United manager uh, scenario, but um, that game on on Sunday again, it was like watching that Norwich game. There was no commitment, no passion, nothing, and. If you were ever going to look at a game and go, I wonder whether they want to play for him, it's that one, and you go, no, they don't. They absolutely do not want to. <laughs> so I, I can't understand why he's still there. Well, I can because there's obviously trickier things, but it's just great. You know, it, it keep, keeps people talking as well. The, the old manager, the old man, go around, and, and then you get all the uh, the potential managers that can take over. And you're like, Kerbish on the list. <laughs> he's not there's so many of them. Steve McLaren, he on the list. I think, um, I think Barcelona's is, is Xavi, isn't it? Now, Xavi's been managing in in one of your favourite places in the Far East. Oh, don't get me started on that again. And um, it, it's a bit mad, to be honest. They're basically looking at like a former legend to come in and, and try and play some attractive football, which, to be honest, I think a lot of a lot of managers can do if that's what they want to do. But whether they're going to be competitive or not is a different matter. I mean, it's they just... have got they have got Luke De Jong up front, so it is going to be difficult to whoever comes in. Man United then, and because I I sort of <laughs> think the opposite in a weird way with Oli. I almost feel like, well, if he doesn't get sacked after getting whacked five 0 at home by their you know their most hated rivals, wh- when does he get sacked? Like I don't understand. Like how does he not go after that? Like what are they <sighs> waiting for? Like who are they playing? They're playing Tottenham on Saturday. So if he loses two 0 at Tottenham on Saturday, does he go then? Because if he, if they waited till then, why didn't he go this weekend? Do you know what I mean? Like I just think, I think when if he's not going to go now, when's he going to go? I mean, it's probably something to do with with Europe, isn't it? As well. So maybe they'll drag it out till December and see where they are. But that's what was in his contract, to, wasn't yeah. it? It'll all be to do with like share prices and stuff of the club, but oh yeah, those sexy share prices. Yeah. They're getting me up for going the match. Then I feel, I, to be honest, I, if, if you were a United fan at that game, you would be going, "What on earth has happened? We got battered six-one last year by a Spurs side who were turned out to be very, very average, and they've been hammered at home again by the, like you say, their fierce rivals." And this time everyone was in the ground to see it. So when yeah, did they lose? Uh, when did they lose six to Spurs? It was last season, wasn't it? Was it? <laughs> yeah, Mourinho was in charge, wasn't he? Wasn't it? I've got no memory of that whatsoever. Oh, it was amazing. Um, it was yeah, when that game as well, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, was, Luke Shaw yeah. absolutely booted yeah. someone, didn't he? No, no, no. It was Lamella. You know when he, he got a bit uh, of a slap in the face. 
Yeah, Martial. Yeah. Didn't someone absolutely volley someone when they were running? Yeah, Luke Shaw should have been sent. That was it, yeah. I knew that happened. I knew that had happened. Yeah, I do do remember it now. That was, was that very early on in the season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at it though and you think, oh, I mean, I've got a, we've got a couple of mates who are United fans. Obviously, Danny the Brabander's the one we speak about quite a lot. And even he was saying on, you know, at the weekend that, like, it was just awful. It's just I, absolutely terrible. It's the worst he's seen. And he's been questioning it for a while, you know, the tactics and stuff like that. And you've often said he's the guy who takes you to the, as far as you can go and then you need someone else to come in. Yeah. Yeah, when they do it, I don't know. But, I mean... For a for a neutral fan, like the whole thing's quite entertaining. I mean, I don't Very like so. seeing people lose their jobs, but I mean, when I'm getting paid eight million quid to to walk the other way, it's not really like, you know, it's not like me losing my job, is it? You know what I mean? No, you only get six million quid when you lose your <laughs> job. Um, in speaking of managers, then, and outside of United, when we talk about the managerial merry-go-round, who were you expecting then? Who else? Who else? Who could get the chop? Rafa. Is he is he up for the no, chop? No, no, Rafa's about, not it. What about your chop. old mate Farker? Is he going to go? Uh, uh, see, the thing again is is that it's a similar situation to Chris Wilder last year, isn't it? They left it for so long, and eventually went, yeah, well, we're going to go down, and then sacked him. It was that was really strange. I mean, it it would be a big statement of intent if they did sack him. I mean, he should be. He shouldn't be there. I mean, I, I don't know how you can just waste a season of finances and effort and energy and all these all right, they'll get promoted again next year it'll be fine uh, I know but we've seen that, that that could be you know increasingly hard I know they walk kind of made it look very easy last mm. year but it, who do I think would get a sack next Nuno Nuno maybe yeah possibly I, I'd probably say he needs a lot of results you know um, to be honest he might look a favour abroad and go with Jose Mourinho again if they keep <laughs> losing to Terrible teams from the he's not, he's not secure either, is he? Oh, Are you safe as ours as Joey Barton? Couldn't do no wrong, him. Uh, do we have to talk about him? Really? Let's not talk about that. I mean, he they're not doing very well either, and the less said about him, the better, to be honest. Yeah. After the weekend. I was tempted to use Joey Barton's um, odd post-match interview um, as one of the, the stories for this week, but I thought, you know what? I don't want to sully our nice Friday chat with that. Sully Montari. Yeah, I didn't want to sully Montari with that abhorrent, you know, waste of space, you know, wouldn't... I mean, I'm not going to go there. But, yeah, um, on the counter to that, we 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 have seen tributes this week to, you know, a, 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 a genuine legend of the game, someone who was very well thought of um, following the, the death of, of Walter Smith, former... Former Everton manager, former Rangers manager, and um, former Scotland manager. Um, and you wanted to, you know, pay tribute to the man. Yeah, I do. You know what? I, 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 uh, I think Walter Smith was one of the first kind of Everton managers I remember. Mm, yeah, and he was very well known for for keeping them up, and and you know had this really hard work inside, and then obviously he'd, he'd done amazing things in. In Scotland as well, with Rangers, you know, being a part of that that side, you know, winning trebles, winning all those league titles. I was looking through his career 
before. He was a player. He was an assistant manager. You know, at United as well in two thousand and four. He was yeah, I'd for, I'd, I'd the, no no knowledge of that. Yeah, he was a part of the Scotland setup with Alex Ferguson back in the eighties. Didn't quite go so well, but yeah, it was. Um, it's just a. It's always sad to to see managers and, and even players. You know that you are told were really good. You know we've had it with. A, Quite a lot of the England 60-16 recently as well. So it is, it's just genuinely quite sad. And I think the, the outpouring of, and tributes to him were were fantastic. I think Gerard had a had a really emotional interview. Um and you can you can hear it in his voice. And I and I don't, you know, Gerard's not really he doesn't really come across that way, does he, to be honest? No, but no. he's very aware of where of the of the size of the club and, and that he's managing and he's very aware of the the managers within the game and the legends within the game he seems and he'd have played uh, against Walter Smith for for Liverpool wouldn't he back in the yeah in yeah. in the in the late nineties early nineties yeah. as well um so yeah I just wanted to to mention that and obviously we we pass on our, our regards to to his family as well and I just think he's you know he was only seventy odd and just a, a shame to not have him have him around I think Alice, Ali McCoist one of our our favourite pundits has uh, said he was like a like a father to him. So, yeah, it's um, never nice to see Ali sad either. So. No, no, I think whenever I think of um, Walter Smith, which I must admit, I don't think I'd even, I'd, I'd thought about Walter Smith for a long time until I saw the, the news story come up that he died and it, it did take me by surprise because I was it was almost like, you know, he's been out of the game for a little while now and he's not someone who does punditry or lots of public, public appearances and stuff. And he's also one of those, those people in football that feels very much from a different generation, very much from a, a different era. Um, but when, you know, when we had this story came up, the one the thing that first came to mind for me was, do you remember Everton used to have one-to-one as they are sponsored on the, on the kit? Yeah. That was, that was back in the day it, uh, when Walter was, Walter Smith was manager. Just always makes me think of that mm-hmm. one-to-one. And I've Googled the Everton kit from one of those years. Just there. Uh, just a little picture of uh, two of the Everton players who I must admit I don't recognise who they are. In fact, I think one of them is Slaven Bilic. He played yeah, for Everton, it would have been would have been around our time. Yeah, I think yeah. that's Slaven Bilic. Uh, both wearing the full Everton home kit with you know one to one on the front of it. A couple of mobile phones leaning against the <laughs> goalpost. Lovely old job. Very nice. One of them's got one of those like you remember before we had flip phones. It was like a normal phone and the thing would fold down from the bottom for you to speak through. But it wasn't yeah. quite a flip phone. Yeah. Incredible yeah, scenes. But I, I think um, I think Walter Smith. I'm sure I read somewhere he was involved in um, either recruit recruiting Wayne Mooney or, or signing him up to a deal. Um, very about early the right, on, in, about the right time, isn't it? Uh, very early on in his career. Uh, well, Mooney's career, but um, yeah, you can just see how, how how good he was. I mean, the the records and the figures and the the tributes speak for themselves. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely, and I think it was um, right that we we put him on the run in order to to give him a little mention. The next story is uh, equally heartwarming. I think it's, it's you know, a little bit of a landmark moment, really, I think probably for for football in, in the modern age. And I'm sure anyone who's listening has has seen the video. It's it's of a young lad called uh, Josh Cavallo. He's, he's 21, uh, Australian left-back, currently plays for Adelaide United. And I would imagine that most people who are listening would have been in the same position as as me and I'm guessing probably for you, Anton and Ryan as well, had never heard of him until you know a few days ago. 
um, when he posted the video on social media. It was on Twitter. It was just a, a, a camera video. It was a, about two, two, three minutes long. Um, and essentially, it was his, it was Truth, his co- it? coming out. Yeah, his truth, truth. was co- his co- was titled. Yeah, his coming out video to to the world, and it it sparked a lot of conversation around, um, you know, homophobia in football, homosexual representation, LGBTQIA plus representation in football, um, and you know, there's 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 been some sort of there's been some cynical takes on it, you know, from Newcastle United, you know, we're, we're you know, and we won't go down that road, but. I think it's 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 I think widely and you know I'd I'd like to hear your thoughts on this lads I think the reaction's been great I think it's been positive I think it's been exactly what you would want and when we look at maybe more higher profile players in the game you know Premier League players Champions League players international footballers if they ever want to take that same step that that Josh has taken I think the reaction to to his coming out has hopefully demonstrated that maybe the the world and maybe the footballing world is is in a position that it's ready for it. Yeah, I think so, mate. I think I've <clears throat> needed it, like you said, didn't it? Needed somebody to to be the first. And what's happened in the past, unfortunately, is there's been kind of incidents where somebody's done this but then retired. Mm. And it probably hasn't had the full effect because you've never then had them. He's a young lad, isn't he? He's probably got a lot of his football football career ahead of him. If he's in the game for 10 plus years, then that's 10 years where he's making other people feel comfortable doing what he's done. And you like to think these things come in waves, don't you? That it takes one person to kind of have that snowball effect and one becomes two, two becomes four, four becomes eight. And yeah, same as you really. I saw it. Um, I can't say I've heard of the player, but it was really heartwarming to watch. I've only seen positive reaction to it. I didn't dive too deep to try and find anything not positive because sometimes you can get in a rabbit hole when you walk through the comments. Mm. But I was just seeing people quote tweeting it with this is great. A lot of football clubs came out and supported it, which was nice. I think it's important that obviously Australia, the A-League, it's not a massively well-known league. We get it over here on BT Sport, if anyone has that, so you can catch it. Quite an entertaining league, but it's not like he's playing for one of the sort of top 10 clubs in the world. So I think it's important that other clubs highlight it and, and, and run with the story as well to make sure it gets as much traction as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've done quite a few episodes about, you know, how, how you know, we as, as, as match they go and football fans, as, as, as straight male, you know, football fans can, can do things to help make it a, a more welcoming environment, more welcoming society for um, people of the LGBTQA plus community who, who you know there's there's as we mentioned before there's lots of uh you know lgbt pride sort of organizations that are affiliated with football clubs we've got our very own one at tramir over and out and i think the reaction as you say ryan from you know broadly speaking across the football spectrum from football fans is being positive what that does is demonstrate to people who maybe still feeling uncomfortable potentially about coming to football and and and, and you can understand why that it's a, it's a changing environment, it's a different environment, and people are more open to these things. And the same applies to to women going to the game as well, and to families wanting to go, and just for for people wanting to make it a more welcoming environment. And I think that you know that's better for everybody, really, if we're moving in that direction. Um, speaking of of the the sort of powerful voice the fans can have, and and the influence the fans can have on things to do with their club, and also with sort of broader things in football as well. Ryan, one of the stories that 
that you wanted us to talk about was the Bayern Munich fans and their objection to Qatar Airways' involvement with with their club. Yeah, and again, conscious that these type of topics have come up a lot during our last few episodes. But what I really liked about this is, in typical German fashion as well, because they seem to get the fan stuff and the fan culture bob on and this kind of held up to be sort of what we want in this country. And what I really like about this is rather than just go, we want it cancelled now and we're going to butt heads with the club, what they've said is we want it to cease existing at the earliest opportunity and not to enter negotiations to extend any ties with Qatar Airways. And I just think that's a really sensible move. And I can't really see a position where Bayern Munich can turn that down because they've gone about it in such a kind of adult way where they've said, okay, we appreciate the deal exists. There's clearly commercial benefit. We don't really want you to cancel and get into legal disputes. What we do want is when that expires, which I believe is the 2022-23 season, we want it to cease existing. And again, it's all for the right reasons. They're listening to the fans, you'd like to think, and they've gone about it in the right way. And they have something called a general assembly, I think, every year by Munich, where they kind of get to listen to um, their versions of what we would call trusts or supporter groups. And I just think that this is important that fans still have this element of power. We saw the power fans had with the Super League, but it had to get quite nasty quite quickly. It had to turn into essentially people protesting, didn't it? And I think we've talked a lot on this show about what what is the future for, for these sort of bigger clubs where the fans are so distant from the boardroom. And I think this just shows that you can be a big club, you can be someone who wins the Champions League, who attracts the best players and the best managers in the world, and you can still do the right thing and listen to your fans. So I just thought it was something worth highlighting. Obviously, maybe comment on a few weeks or months' time what Bayern Munich decide to do. But going off kind of history, I would expect they would fall on the right side of it, knowing how seriously they take um, sort of feedback from the fans over in Germany. Yeah, I think... um... I think the thing that you, you you've said there, Ryan, is about the way that the because I think it's it's an organised group of Bayern Munich fans, isn't it? It's the it's the it's I presume it's the group of supporters that's involved in their whatever their kind of arrangement is with the fifty plus one. Um, so I would guess that they do have an active voice at the table, if you know what I mean. But as you say, going about it in an adult way, in a constructive way, and going, look, we appreciate the the commercial terms involved here. We understand that there is a contractual arrangement, so you can't just turn around and go, we're not doing this anymore. But we're just letting you know that when it comes back around, when the process happens, because we understand the process, we don't want you to go down this road anymore because we don't think it's aligned with the values of our of our football club. Um, I think the thing that I thought, and again, without wanting to go back to Newcastle, it just kind of made me think about, you know, the way that Newcastle fans reacted to to what's happened with their club, I think it just well, demonstrates some Newcastle, Newcastle fans, fans, a lot of Newcastle yeah. fans. Uh, yeah, I think we do need to say that, though. I think it is some. Like, um, it, I, I think so, it, I, I don't think, think it's all. I think some isn't some isn't great. I, I'd say that. Some I'd say it was the majority. Great. The majority of Newcastle fans. Yeah. Well, there was six. You know, there's fifty odd thousand in that stadium. You know, that, you know, I'm not saying that's the majority, but that's your match they go and fans. And if we talk about people them being in air quotes, you're true, you're proper fans, then it is the majority. Um, 
and there are obviously different circumstances around it. But I think what demonst- what's been demonstrated there is that, you know, you can support your club, but you can still have a moral conscience about what you do and don't do with that support. You know, we looked sort of what the Homestale Fanatics did, the, the Crystal Palace fans, in trying to at least do something to stand up against it. You know, they, they, they got in some trouble afterwards, you know, and I think that it, it caused a bit of a stare. And I think people have got to keep doing these things to keep these conversations moving, keep them at front and centre. You know, as we said at the very start, talking about sports washing, what these people want is for us to forget about it, get tired of it, you know, not want to bother with the difficult things. People use football as a, as a release, as a distraction. Maybe they don't want to talk about these difficult things. But I think when well, they... I think when Sorry, they get, no, no, it's fine. I think I'm just going to say when they get as egregious as the things that are going on with some of these places, I think it, 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 it's incumbent on us to at least, you know, our platform's not enormous, but I think it's important for us to continue to highlight it as we've done. And I think just because it's difficult and just because, you know, it might not be the most enjoyable subject to talk about in the world doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. No, I, I agree with you, Dan. I think that was well put because I think... If at first it's shocking when it happens to Newcastle, the next club it's a bit less shocking and the club after that it's even less shocking and before you know it, it's the norm. So I think it is important to highlight it. Equally, as, as Ant said, you, we can't tarnish every fan with one brush. It was just kind of the what you were seeing on, on Sky Sports and the like. What, what was quite interesting is what um, back to the buying thing. Michael Ott, I think you say, who's the club member, he said that the motion to sort of end sponsorship with them uh, wouldn't preclude buying travel to their annual training camp in Doha, Qatar because he said that it's an opportunity for critical communication and then he said at least in theory so I think again they've tried to go at it in such a way that they've almost tried to kill it with kindness and be like well we're going to give a little to get a lot back and um, again yeah it'll be interesting to see sort of the fallout of that I wonder. Um, I wonder. It's interesting, isn't it? Because in 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 Germany, they obviously have this fifty plus one. When you, you talked about the Super League, Ryan, before, and I think one of the things that people almost looked at with the Super League was, well, if we have a model like they have in Germany, then this won't happen. But it it obviously everything isn't perfect with the German game. I think the, the way that things are kind of stacked up at the moment by Munich are significantly more, um, you know powerful and richer and just have more resources than everybody else. So there clearly are problems that, that you know, that we share in this country, but I do think it's interesting that it's the, 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 the way that that's taken place. And I also think it's interesting when you contrast it again, as you say, Ryan, with the super league stuff, I think it does demonstrate that, you know, I think when, when football fans are looking at it and go, you know, well, we don't have an influence on it. I think well, you do, you do. They want you to think that you don't, but you do. Ultimately you are the customer. And that's the, reason, the reason I, I think it's important to highlight Bayern Munich is because I think Bayern Munich's fans can go about it this way. And this might be true for other German clubs because the clubs actually listen to them. Whereas Man United, Chelsea, probably Madrid, Juve, Barca, they have to get angry to be listened to. It has to be damaging to the club and its finances for them to even consider what's being said. And that, that's the sad thing about it. But if we always use that word environment when we're talking. But again, if you create an environment where you go, actually, we as fans are listened to, 
we don't have to turn up and throw things on the pitch or stop games being played or let flares off outside because we're going to have a meeting once a year where you're going to listen to us. If you're not afforded that luxury, and it shouldn't be a luxury, guess what? We've got to burn shirts, we've got to stamp our feet and we've got to make a ruckus and then it's going to be the police who have to pick up the pieces and the local community that has the disruption. It's just wrong, really, and that's why football clubs really do need to create a forum for the fans to express the direction they want the club to go in, as well as maintaining success and other things that fans want as well. It seems counterintuitive for a club not to listen to its core supporter base as well. I just think it, it's, it's... You wouldn't do it in any other business. No, you you know, if you are... You would not do it in any other business. Yeah. I think, I guess, what they're playing on is, and we talked about it before, like the blind loyalty of a football fan is completely different from any other industry. So they can they can they can push it to the point that they can push it to. And as well, they are you like if you if you shop at a shop, your customers do literally form almost all your turnover. Whereas in football, because not all your turnover comes from your fans, you can afford to not cater for your fans, but cater for everything else, which is kind quite kind of a strange dynamic. Because if John Lewis had like you were like oh we want this shirt in yellow like well we'll make it in purple you know but we all want it in yellow well make it in purple because i don't need your money it's kind of like (laughs) but it wouldn't happen i suppose as well if you if you don't want to shop at john lewis you can go to debenhams but you're not likely to do that with a football club are you so it's 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 kind of playing on that isn't it i guess to 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 sort of change the dynamics a little bit do you know one thing i was thinking about there right when you talked about burning football shirts Football shirts burn up quite easily, don't they? And they're very flammable. Well, yeah, that's because of what they're made out of, isn't it? I know, but it, it's extraordinary. I think given the number of flares that are in football grounds to have made them so flammable, I think this is one of, I don't think this is talked about enough. I think it needs, I think it needs, I think it needs taken to the very top of the game. The football shirts, the first football shirt. I think shirt, it's I shit. What, burning a football shirt? Like, oh, look at you. You've just wasted 70 quid. I'm like, who's asked? <laughs> just paying the money. I always remember um, the big, whenever we think of football shirts, my first memory of that is the effigy of David Beckham getting burned. Remember after the uh, the 98 World Cup? And he was a uh, public enemy number one, wasn't he? Outside yeah. West Ham, am I thinking? I remember that, yeah. Very vivid memory of, of an effigy of Dave. Although, to be fair, Bernard now, he's done a lot worse crime now, taking the dirty money of Qatar. That's a worse crime for me than getting sent off in a football match for sort of flicking your leg out of Diego Simeone. I think the crime's burning an effigy of him, to be honest. <laughs> You're a burning effigy of everything I used to be. You're my recommending me around here. Um, I've started Cheers thinking, Robbie Williams, it's probably time for us to wrap up, chaps. Um, lads, thanks very much for, for your chat. And you look like you're going to drop something on us there before I no, finish. I was, I was just worried you'd come undone. Ryan, anything to add? Sorry. Um, I just want to feel real love. Uh, oh, I was putting God. dishes away. Sorry, I thought you were wrapping up. It seemed like prime time for me to put some dishes away. And then I just heard anything to add, Ryan. I legged it to the laptop. And that's so, what you uh, came up with. Yeah. What have what have we got on our plate for next week? Ooh. I reckon the listeners will be open. We don't release another episode for a long time, potentially till the next millennium. Anyway, <laughs> let's uh, yeah. let's, uh, let's wrap up, chaps. Thank you for joining us. 
dear listener, if you have made it this far, then you've tr- clearly just been treated to some excellent Robbie Williams chat. Um, one thing we did want to mention before we wrapped up, Paul Burroughs, who you will remember we had on the show a few weeks back, sent us a message to, to, to put us in the direction of World Stroke Day, which is for 2021 is today. And this year, 14 and a half million people will have a stroke. Five and a half million people will die as a result. And I think if you put Whale Stroke Day into Google, go to the Whale Stroke Org to find out a little bit more about why this day is really important in raising awareness and the things that you can do to raise awareness about strokes and also learning a little bit more about the signs of strokes because it really can help save a life. We'll post the links up about Paul's episode. Paul had a, a stroke not long ago and talks a lot about the kind of residual effects of that incident that he had. And you want to add something? You look primed. No, not for me. I was quite interested in, in the, that there was a World Stroke Day. Um, there's a World Everton Day. Well, I've days. never heard of it, but this is this does seem very, very important. Um, well, that's what I mean. I think... Paul, was, Paul was brilliant coming on. His, his interview is just outstanding. Yeah. Um, so do listen to that. Yeah, but, absolutely. But 14.5 million will have a stroke. Um, it's just staggering numbers, and there's, there's ways in which you can help to to prevent and and you know a, a lot of them are, are probably quite easy yeah um, absolutely absolutely i think that's that, that's it and as you say I'd, i i wasn't specifically aware of the day but it doesn't surprise me as i say there's a day for a lot of things world stroke day feels as though it's something that should have its own day um because you know they can be devastating not just not just death i think that's what's always worth remembering is that you know five and a half million of those people that have a stroke every year will will, will die there are still 9 million people who will live with the after effects, some of which could arguably be worse than, than, than dying as well. It, it, it's they're a, really, it, really debilitating, aren't they, at times? Yeah. And it's just a, it's a lot for the families and, and friends to go through. Um, so, yeah, no, it is. It's very important. And raising awareness of that is, uh, is very important as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll we'll post the uh, the links back up for that episode again. It was only a few weeks ago, but we'll we'll put the links back up onto our feed for for Paul's interview. And we'll be back on uh, on Monday with another episode from our archive. Now I'm sure you will have seen in the news this week. There's been a lot of legal battles going on over over the last sort of twelve months or so between Manchester City and some of the victims of Barry Bennell, a, a civil case. They've kind of been up back in the news again this week. And I think ultimately when we talk about these stories, the biggest things that we should take away is the sort of damage that the child sexual abuse can can do to its victims. So whilst those stories are in the news and it's it's interesting to read and see what's going on with those court cases, I think it's always crucial for us to remember the people involved, the, the, the victims of those, of those crimes. So we're going to put for our archival episode next week, so on Monday, is going to be with David Lean, who is a, a former youth footballer and was a, a victim of Barry Bennell. So we're going to post that up and that'll be out on, on Monday morning. So we'll, we'll pop that up. Uh, and if you want to find out any more about, about us and our, any more of our episodes, we'll be back again next Friday. You can find details on our Twitter, which is at marking underscore man. And Ant, people should use that hashtag. What's that hashtag? Where's the talking, lads? It's where's the talking, lads. It's lovely. You said that with a little smile on your face. I did. And the listeners, I, I feel as so though they should they should have been able to see it, but they, they couldn't. And that's uh that's sadness. It's a sadness for them, but I'm sure they'll they'll be visualizing it in their minds right now. Um I'm gonna wrap up anyway. Uh lads, thank you very much. I'm gonna go and cough because I really need to cough. Um excellent. So see ya. Bye.
Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. You can run, you can hide, you can run, you can hide, you can hide.